in all of you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You can be uh, seated tonight. I am thankful that uh, you are here tonight, and so being here, I can we can be encouraged that we are taking the steps to give all of ourselves to Him. And uh, I know it's a sacrifice to set aside time nowadays with how busy we are, but my desire is that more and more of us would, whether they participate here in, in person or um, listening to the message, more people would devote themselves to the Word of the Lord. And that's why we're here, and uh, to learn from His Word, not just to um, pass some time. But we want to learn the word of the Lord because it's uh, what saves us. And so tonight I'm going to um, just have some comments in the beginning and kind of talk through some things that I've been thinking about and studying. And we may get into our lesson tonight or we might just kind of introduce it. And uh, uh, just talking about being counterculture. And um, that just obviously by definition is talking about being different um, than what the culture as a whole sees as what's normal. So um, we just have to go ahead and wear the abnormal badge. And uh, the Lord says we are a peculiar people. And sometimes we think of peculiar as, as a negative thing, as weird. But peculiar is just, it also has a connotation of being special. And uh, if, if being weird is being Christian, then I want to be weird. I want to be the weirdest person people know. <laughs> if, if following Christ uh, means to be weird, let me be weird. And uh, I, I don't say that to say I, I'm following Christ in every area of my life all the time as I should because I'm still working on it, but that's my goal. And uh, last week we um, talked about um, believing the account of creation. And so I've just been thinking about this uh, over and over in my mind the, the last few days, the last week or so. And it seems like such a simple statement and such a subtle thing to say that we must believe God created the world. If we don't get... We, if we don't get past Genesis chapter 1, you might as well not read the rest of the Bible. And some people would say, well, that's, in our culture today, that that's, uh, sounds like an extreme statement. But if we don't believe Genesis 1, then we're in trouble with the rest of the book. Because approaching God, we can't pick and choose what we're going to believe. We have to just go all in. And again, that, our culture teaches us that there's no such thing as absolute, right? Now, there are members of our culture that believe in absolutes, but the, the majority of our culture nowadays believes in no absolutes. And that's why it's so important that we believe that the Bible is absolute truth, that is comforting because if you don't, then what are you going to anchor your soul in? 
What are you going to anchor your eternal salvation in? So we have to make a decision in the very beginning as we approach the Word of God that we are going to believe the Word of God in its entirety. Albert Muller is, uh, I believe he's the president of um, Southern Baptist Seminary, but he had some articles that I read about the secularization of America. And if you have time to look at it, it would be good for you to look into it. But he brings out the fact that Europe has long since declared themselves as secular. They got ahead of the game, so to speak, and many of people in Europe, the majority declare themselves as atheistic or agnostic, and they just openly declare, we do not believe in God. They're very open about it, very clear about it. And for a long time as Americans, we have looked at them from afar and said, we are so far from that. But the fact is, in many ways, we have been mirroring what has been happening in Europe. We've just been more subtle in our declarations. Because many Americans declare they believe in God, but the God they believe in is the God that they define. It's not the God the Bible defines. It's the God that they define. Again, that seems so small at first, but it's not small. It's very significant to believe in God as the Bible says or to believe in Him as we think He is. Or even in our human arrogance as we believe He should be. That's the God that a majority of Uh, people in America truly believe in. And the Bible is a source of truth, but it is not the source of truth, and it's not exclusive truth to a lot of people. Again, I could bore you with a lot of statistics, but I'm going to save you the the boredom, okay? (laughs) If you want to look up Barna uh, Research, they have statistics. They have an entire book on the Bible in America, and how there are some positive things and to take away from it. But as a whole, most people don't really believe the Bible is inspired every word and it should be obeyed. And as Americans, that's hard for us to swallow because for a long time we've been able to claim otherwise. We have been a Christian nation. But it's important that we understand these things not only so that Uh, We understand how we have to guard our own hearts against deceit. But we also have to understand these things in approaching other people. If you are in a uh, discussion with someone and they don't believe the Bible is absolute truth. Pray and ask for wisdom as far as how to handle it. But in most cases, you're going to get nowhere. Because if we don't have a common source of truth, how can we go to something that's going to decide whether I'm right or you're right? I'm not saying I always have the answers. I can be proven wrong with the Bible too, for sure. (laughs) But we have to understand in approaching people, sometimes we can waste a lot of time discussing things with people. If they don't believe the Bible is true, then it's not really a fruitful use of your time and uh, we hope that that changes in their life 
But we also want them to understand if we don't have the Bible as our authority, um, we're not going to find agreement. And I also just want to say, I'm kind of all over the place here, but just allow me to discuss as I've been thinking about it. Um, A caution in that is someone asking questions doesn't mean they don't believe the Bible or trying to figure out if the what the Bible is truly saying is not against what I'm saying tonight. We need to to wrestle with the scripture. We need to pray about it. We need to seek the context of it. We need to figure out what the text is telling us. Uh, but at the same time, we have to decide when I find out, I'm going to follow it. When I find out what it says, even if it's what I don't like, I'm still going to submit myself to it. Okay, that's the difference. Now, some people will just, they find out what it says, and well, I just can't agree with that. I can't serve that type of God. I can't do that. Well, you know, that's your choice. Um, it's the worst choice you can make in the entire world, but that's your choice. And, uh, of course, we want to be respectful. But we have to decide if we're going to be Christians, we are going to believe the Word of God is absolute truth. And again, some people that will not believe the Word of God will believe textbooks as absolute truth. <clears throat> Who's to say the textbook is true? Right? They'll believe a mechanic. They'll believe a talking head on TV. They'll believe all kinds of sources that they don't really have established credibility, but they won't believe the Bible for whatever reason. So we have to choose something to believe. And we're all choosing something to believe. So uh, for me, as a Christian, again, I have to make the choice. Am I going to believe what God said? Or am I going to believe something else? It seems so fundamental and so foundational. And yet so many of us just fly right over it. You hear sometimes in our generation preachers saying that the disciples or the apostles, things they wrote, they just didn't know better. They were, they just didn't understand like we understand today. But the, the glaring error in that kind of thinking is God inspired the Bible. So it doesn't matter who the author was. You can't limit them to their understanding of that day. You have to understand it was the God of all knowledge inspiring them. So you can't discredit the apostles for their lack of awareness. Because it wasn't their word. It was God inspiring them. And again, that takes faith. But Second Timothy 3, we'll look at a few scriptures talking a little bit without sharing any scriptures but 2nd Timothy 3 and 15 we'll start there with that verse I just wrote these down here and that from a child thou hast known what the holy scriptures the bible right why is it so important the scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation That's where we all want to be, saved, right? (laughs) We all want salvation. 
So our source of salvation is the knowledge of the Holy Scriptures, which produces faith in Christ Jesus. So you can't separate faith in Christ and the Holy Scriptures. True faith is rooted in the truth of Scripture and leads us to a faith in Christ Jesus. And the next Scripture tells us, 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture, all, that's a very exclusive, absolute word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So again, God inspired men to write the scriptures. And God has preserved his word. We have to accept that by faith. But the alternatives are accepted by faith as well, as we said. So I choose to believe this. The God of creation has inspired his word and he has kept his word. And because he had, again, this is all tied to all. All is profitable for doctrine, okay, for our teaching, for our lifestyle, for our learning in its application, for reproof. Okay? Sometimes we don't want to believe the Word of God because of these two things, reproof and correction. Well, that just isn't what I agree with. How many times do we agree with being corrected? None of us want to agree with that, Right? But that's what saves us. Reproof and correction. If we're never being reproved by the Word of God, we're never being corrected by the Word of God, our understanding is very faulty because all of us need daily reproof and correction. It's profitable for instruction in righteousness. Again, how to be righteousness is how to be right with God, how to live and be more holy like He is holy. It's not about just rules and regulations. It's about being right with Him. In the next verse, 2 Timothy 3, 17, that the man of God or the woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, or mature. Again, that word perfect, most often in the New Testament, it means coming to maturity. Thoroughly furnished, Unto all good works. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved unto good works. And as we take the scripture as it is, and we allow it to reprove us and correct us, and it begins to change us, and it causes us to live different and to do good works, works that will give glory to God. So all scripture is inspired, it's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine is extremely important. 1 Timothy 4.16. Again, some good advice from Paul writing to Timothy. 1 Timothy 4.16. Take heed unto thyself and unto thy doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So, Not only do we experience salvation, but we help others to be saved as we take heed to ourselves and to our doctrine, the teaching of scriptures. And we have to continue in them. 
Okay, again, because not only will we be lost, but anybody we're teaching is going to be lost. And that's pretty heavy, isn't it? But it's, it's important that we are taking heed to ourselves and to what we're teaching people. Are we teaching people the Bible or are we teaching people something we just heard or something that sounded good to us? Take heed to yourself and to your, your doctrine. And Acts uh, 2, obviously we're a little biased. People accuse us of talking about these scriptures too much. But this is where the church was born, right? Those same people celebrate their birthday every year. This is our birthday. We're celebrating our birthday with Acts 2, okay? This is how the church was born. And it shows how to live. Acts 2.42. Okay, after they got saved, they were told to be, they repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Went on to say, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Okay, not just any doctrine. But in the apostles' doctrine. It's very specific. And fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayer. So it lists some things that they did on an ongoing basis. And one of those things is the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching. And of course, that wasn't their own teaching. Who did they receive it from? Jesus Christ, right? Some of them directly sat under him. And the one who is speaking these words and preaching this message received his his admonition and his authority, he was given the keys directly from Jesus Christ. So is the apostles' doctrine that they continued steadfastly in. And so again, we don't always um, identify ourselves as, as apostolic because sometimes people don't have any clue what that means. But if anybody ever wonders, what is apostolic? It's just someone who follows the apostles' doctrine and not just the apostles, but Jesus Christ, Right? So we're Christians and we sometimes identify ourselves as apostolic because we want to do exactly what they taught. And uh, a leader in our particular fellowship, our particular fellowship is not all of the apostolic people in the world, not even close. (laughs) It's just one of many, many, many apostolic fellowships. It's a man-made fellowship. Organization to spread the gospel. But in our particular fellowship, the United Pentecostal Church, we have uh, our current uh, leader, our superintendent. He had a, a presentation last year, I believe it was, at a, a symposium for uh, Pentecostals of all different denominations. And, and they asked him to present a paper about baptizing in Jesus' name. And um, he presented the paper, and he's a Greek scholar, so he presented in Greek, and and he got done, and he said, I was just waiting for them to just have all these reasons I was wrong. But instead, they all agreed. They all said, yes, the apostles baptized in Jesus' name. And he didn't really know what to say at first. just like, they agree with me. Exactly. So why don't you baptize in Jesus' name? 
And they said, well, we, we just feel like this, this other way was developed later is a good way. And so he just, Brother Bernard said, well, I guess that's what maybe makes us a little bit different because they asked him to present and show their, the viewpoint. And he said, if we see that the apostles both practiced it and preached it regularly, that's the end of the discussion. If the apostles practiced and preached it, that's the end of it. We follow it. We don't try to figure out if it's relevant for our day. We don't try to figure out... And again, I understand there are principles where we, you know, in the Bible there's principles sometimes. It's not the exact thing we do, but the principle of it is, is fulfilled in what we do. But if we find that something is regularly practiced and preached by the early church, that's what we seek to see in our church. Because again, why would we go outside the authority of the scripture? Because the, the end of that trail is, I mean, it just starts branching off everywhere, right? If we start taking up whatever man has said or what supposedly angels have revealed, well, Paul addressed that. He said if, any, if an angel or any other creature or person or whatever preaches the gospel... Another gospel, let him be accursed. So, you know, it seems dogmatic to people. To and 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 I sometimes people tell me not to apologize because I apologize and stuff. I try to let people know my heart behind it. My heart is never to uh, to try to think that we've somehow figured something out and we're superior. My heart is, this is the Bible. Let's do what it says. That's it. Whatever the church down the road does, I love them. I want them to go to heaven. But I'm not going to just do everything they do because they're a church and we're a church. And go, go to a group of gathering of all the churches in the city and take a poll and say, what should we do? Something, just for example, we... Talk about regarding baptism. How should we baptize? They all say, sprinkle them when they're young. Okay. Turn on the sprinklers in here and everybody gets baptized. It's done. You're good to go. And again, I, I don't try to make fun of that. I'm being facetious, I guess. And Lord, forgive me if I have anyone with that. But that's just not the example of Scripture. And I know there's people that are very sincere in doing that, but they're sincerely wrong. Okay? I'm sincerely wrong sometimes. So I'm not, again, I'm not acting like I know everything, but if we decide this is what the scripture says, then it's right. Because what our culture is, again, it's more subtle than Europe. We're over here thinking, we're a Christian nation, we're a Christian nation, we're a Christian nation, and we're not. Because we may be Christian in our confession, but our lifestyle, and when you really get down to what we truly believe about the Bible, we're not. Because truly Christian means we believe these scriptures we've read already, that all scriptures inspired. And more and more people are saying, I believe in God, but 
Not all the Bible is inspired. Not quite all of it is right. And so you have churches that are preaching that things are okay that are not okay. The Bible talks about how in the end times, you know, good will be called evil and evil will be called good. And that's the day we're, we're living in in some ways. And the, again, the, the, we don't expect unsaved people or people that don't claim to be Christian to believe with the Bible, but surely people that are Christian, it really hurts our point of view <laughs> when they say, ah, it's okay. There's one thing to struggle with sin because all true Christians struggle with sin. But there's a difference between struggling with it and repenting and struggling and repenting and saying, I'm sorry, Lord, and doing our best and then saying, it's okay for me to be this way. God loves me this way. This is how he made me. This is what makes, I've this argument a lot. Jesus wants me to be happy and this makes me happy. Okay? So Jesus would not deny me something that makes me happy because he wants me to be happy. Okay. So these ideas of whatever the scripture says is whatever the scripture says, but this makes me happy. And that's people's approach, right? So again, we need to be respectful. But when we hear that, there should be a ding, 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 ding in our mind that there's a red flag right there. Again, it's... If, I'm... I'm I can readily identify with Paul's statement, I'm the chiefest of sinners, but I'm not claiming to be holy and righteous and so superior. And, and we shouldn't feel like we, we are that way if we're declaring the Bible. But people put us on trial, right? Oh, you're not perfect. Who are you to judge? I'm not doing the judging, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And the one who will do the judging in the end, this is what he thinks. Okay? It's not even my opinion. And, and uh, I really appreciated a minister's approach. I think it was on CNN, like Larry King Live or something. And there was an issue of, of morality. And, and his, um, it was a panel. And they were all supposed to give their position on uh, homosexuality and and they asked him his the, they worded it what's your opinion on homosexuality and he said my opinion doesn't matter but I will tell you what the Bible says and that's how we need to be it's not our opinion against somebody else's opinion it's let's figure out the scripture if I'm if, if, I've, if we look into it and, and, and I'm found to be wrong I'll humble myself and admit it but we need to pursue what the scripture says. Because the Bible is what makes us wise into salvation. I don't have this uh, written down, but Colossians 2 comes to mind. Brother Ryan, if you can bring up Colossians 2. And we'll start looking at verse 1 and I'll see if that's where I want to start or not. Okay, skip verse 2 here. Verse 3. Just skip a little bit of stuff here. To Okay, so speaking of Jesus Christ, 
in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Okay? And again, Jesus Christ is not anything different than what we see in the Word of God because Jesus Christ is literally the Word made flesh. Right? So, the more you look into this, the cooler it gets. The more it all connects. But in Jesus Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse 4. And this I say, in other words, I'm saying these things so that lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. I'm telling you these things because I don't want anybody to fool you with sounding really smart. And not only enticing in the sense of you get this air of superiority where people that don't believe the current trend of society are are outdated and ignorant and bigoted and all these things. You're made to feel intellectually weak. But also, the flip side of that, these words can be enticing to my flesh. Sinful things can be enticing to my flesh. (laughs) So don't listen to these words that either sound out there superior intellectually, philosophically, the experts say this, but also don't just believe them because it sounds good to your flesh, to your thinking. Verse 5, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, joining and beholding your order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So he's... He's just like I'm wanting to do every time I teach or preach. I'm not just trying to point out where all the places we need to improve, but I also want to acknowledge we are being steadfast as we understand to be. I believe that. And that's what Paul is acknowledging. He's giving the admonition, but he's acknowledging you guys are doing what you need to be doing. And as you have therefore received Christ Jesus as the Lord, so walk ye in him. Again, some people say, well, in, this, in Romans it says walk in the Spirit. Well, when we're walking in Christ, we're walking in the Spirit. Because again, there's no separation. Because Christ was the Spirit in flesh. Okay? So we're walking in Him. Rooted and built up in Him. And established in the faith. As you have been taught. What have they been taught? The Apostles' Doctrine. The Scriptures. The Word of God. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. Next verse, please. Colossians 2 8. Beware. Again, here's a warning. Lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So, tradition of men, that could be, uh, again, religions, it could be teachings. Whatever man just carries on from one generation to the next, ideas, beliefs. One good thing about uh, millennials and the generation coming up, one good thing about them not accepting tradition is they're more open to authentic truth. Um, But the flip side is, is a lot of people will just keep on going down the same road because that's what everybody's always done. The rudiments of the world, the teachings, the ideas, the philosophies, that are being projected to us constantly and not after Christ. So again, it all comes back to Christ, right? The Scriptures. In verse 9, 
Because in Him, that is in Christ, dwelled all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything that God was, is, and will be, was in the body of Jesus Christ. So that's a very important key in teaching of Scripture. But I don't want to get off topic, so we'll get back to that some other time. But verse 10 tells us you are complete in Him which is the head of all principality and power. So the, again this passage is telling us we have to be so careful about what the world is teaching and instead embrace Christ. Because you're complete in Him. We don't need other ideas. And again that just sounds so close minded so narrow-minded, so absolute. But we, if you're complete in Him, definition of complete suggests you don't need anything else. Right? It's very simple. We're complete in Him. Okay, just a couple more scriptures here to, to kind of bring all this around to a close for tonight but again I all this was kind of birthed with the assertion and the idea that if we're not believing the very beginning of the Bible the account of creation those things and we might as well just not even be Christian uh, John 5 uh, 46 through 47 backs up that claim John 5 the 46 through 47. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me. Hey, this is Jesus. He's writing to the religious people of that time. If you would have believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. In verse 47, but if ye believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? So if you don't believe what Moses wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Because again, Moses' writings are my words, is what Jesus is saying. Were Moses' ideas? If you didn't believe his writings, which were my words, how are you going to believe my words now? I'm standing in front of you in the flesh. Can you not understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? So when people want to wrestle with, well, I just don't know if I believe that in Genesis. You're undermining your faith. It's not, you're not hurting someone else. You're undermining your faith. I guess you are hurting those who listen to your teaching. But you're hurting your faith. And again, it doesn't mean we can't question things to make sure we have the, the right understanding. It doesn't mean we can't ask questions. It doesn't mean we... Because not, not all questions are rebellion. Not all searching is rebellion. It's just we have to do it with the mindset. Once I find out what it means, I'm going to submit to it. 
It doesn't mean we're going to understand all mysteries of the scripture. But we have to have the, the heart to do what it says. And another principle, and I'll get to a final scripture. Another principle that kind of floats around is, and it floated around in Jesus' day. Well, we just live in the New Testament. That's Old Testament. You ever hear anybody say that? That's Old Testament. There's some merit there, as I said. We don't do everything specifically letter of the law. But in actuality, Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law. And the law is easier than grace. The law gives us a bunch of minimums, but grace gives us things that go beyond. The law says, don't murder someone. Grace says, don't even think about it in your heart. Which is harder? Which is a higher standard? Not even thinking about it is a higher standard than don't do it. So we don't just throw out the Old Testament because the Old Testament gives us an idea and an understanding of a fear for the Lord. A fear of God is not always trembling necessarily, but a fear of God is a reverence and an awe. And we may, as the Lord leads, talk about that more next time. But a fear of the Lord is, again, something that a lot of people just don't have that are supposed to be Christians. There's no reverence. Because if you pick and choose what you're going to believe, you don't truly revere that. So we want to take the whole counsel of God's word. We want to try to fulfill all of God's word. We want to try to make sure that we're following it. And daily Bible reading is important. And thankfully for technology, we can get that in our car. Without being unsafe. Because we can listen to it. I'm not saying open your Bible. (laughs) That's called texting and driving. Bible text. (laughs) You don't want to do that. But we can listen to it. We need to get it in our hearts so that we're not deceived. How can we obey something we don't know? Again, I've read a lot of things about this in the last couple of weeks. And one person says, no wonder that people don't obey the Ten Commandments. Most people don't know them. Yeah. It was something like, I don't remember the people they interviewed, so... It, it, would, it would be good to look it up, but um, it was just funny. They said that about half the people they interviewed said they thought Sodom and Gomorrah was a couple. <laughs> they were, it was a husband and wife. <laughs> and it's just stuff like that. Just the biblical literacy of Americans is, is astounding. Just look it up sometime. It's pretty pretty uh, good material for laughing. And Michael Jr. does his version of jaywalking, like goes around and asks questions like they do on Jay Leno about the Bible, and people are pretty pretty sad. Pretty bad. Last verse we'll discuss tonight. Uh, Judges 17, 
6. Because again, these aren't, you know, sometimes, we, oh, this generation is so bad, we can't win anybody. Nobody's going to be saved. That's a lie from the enemy. Things have always been bad. Human nature and sin has always been around. So the, the, the direction of our, the current direction of our culture and, and, and everybody having their idea of truth is not new. Right, it's all the way back to Judges 17.6 and before that, but this is a scripture that lets us know. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Okay, no king means no authority. The king was the final authority. If there's a dispute, you go to the king. And whatever the king says is right. Doesn't matter what one person says and the other person says whatever the king says. Now, were the king's right or wrong in every case? That's a little bit. And we're not going to speculate on that because we know the king was human. But like you remember when I believe it was King Solomon when they they brought the baby in the sleep. It's my baby. No, it's my baby. And he said, well, cut the baby in half. And the one who was the mother said, oh, no, just let her keep it. And the one who wasn't the mother didn't really fight too much. And he knew immediately who the real mother was. Because the dispute came before him as the king. And so in our day, of course, we don't have a king because we're not a monarchy. Right? It's not our form of government. But it could be said that in, you know, in those days, there was no final authority in America. There was no authority that everyone looked to as the supreme authority and the judge of all things. Therefore, the result is everybody just does what they think is right. You don't bother me. I don't bother you. Let's peacefully coexist and hope we all end up in the same place. And if you don't even think we'll end up anywhere, that's okay. Let's just get along past the coffee. It's Portland. I mean, that's what we pass most often. We pass other things too. Puff, puff, pass. But never mind. That's, that's a whole other discussion. But the Word of God is what tells us what's right. And we have to approach it that way. And that little subtle thing makes all the difference in the world. Not only in the way we live, but in our eternal destination. Because at the very end of time, in Revelation, I don't have the verse written down, just came to mind, but... They open the books. What do you think the books are? The books are the Word of God. And that's how every person is judged. Not by somebody's opinion. They don't bring someone forward. Hey, come here. Tell me about this person. They open the Bible. And how you lived according to that is how you will be spending eternity. So that's why we're so dogmatic about the Scriptures. That's why we're Bible thumpers. We're fundamentalists, we're bigoted, we're whatever you want to call us. That's why we're that way, because we want to please God. 
And we want to do it with the right spirit. We want to do it with love, mercy, compassion. We want to, we want to have the, not only the letter of the law, because the letter of the law killeth, but the spirit gives life. We want to have the right spirit. We want the truth in love to balance it out as we finish up. We don't want to just kill people with the truth. The letter of the law killeth. Just tell everybody they're going to hell, going to hell, going to hell. That's not the spirit of Christ. But we do it with love and say, let's go to heaven together. We've got to get rid of this. We've got to try to not do this. Let's, let's work together on this. Let's make it to heaven. Let's make heaven our home. So, when we close in prayer, and if um, there's any questions, we can address those. Um, after we pray, I'll give you a moment to think about it. And uh, we'll look to the word for the answer. Lord Jesus, we love you tonight.